the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want you to high-five, pound your neighbor, encourage that neighbor. Don't, don't pound them, but you know, listen, yeah, okay. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. And I want you to look at your other neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Because it's still okay to say that, Merry Christmas. At least for now, it's still okay to say that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And and it's good for you. When you're checking out everywhere, say Merry Christmas to the people. Say Merry Christmas to them. It's good for them. If they, they turn their lips down and say, I can't say that, say, well, I'll say it for you. Merry Christmas! Real loud. It's fun. Gets everybody excited. Not that I would do anything like that, but it's... Uh, Cindy, uh, Cindy usually doesn't go shopping with me because I do things like that. That's all. Pat, I just saw you. How you doing, Pat? Eyes coming along? Don said he's coming more in focus all the time. Well, praise the Lord. Is that not a miracle? Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, shopping for a Savior. We're on our third thought process here. It doesn't seem like Christmas. Text will be Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Before we get to that, John Kennedy, when he was president, set a goal that by the end of the decade of the 60s, we would launch a space program, and that space program would capture our imagination. Everyone was caught up in the hope and the reality of humans being transported through space to walk on the surface of the moon. And when that day came, most every American watched. Some of you, some of us, can remember when that actually happened and where you were at the time. I was just a child in, in grade school back then, one-room classroom, walked 20 miles back and forth to school, one way, back and forth one way. <laughs> Barefoot with glass on the on the road uh, to cut our feet. Dead of winter, of course. Amen. And our children wonder why they need cars to drive. Get. Yes, Lord. <laughs> but America watched uh, watched this launching with fascination and oh. But as with any endeavor, no matter how significant that endeavor, the admiration tends to fade. And such was the case near the end of NASA's Apollo program. Jack Needleman was one of the reporters covering the launch of Apollo 17 in 1975. It was a night launch. 
The reporters were making it a social occasion. They strolled the lawn of the press section where the refreshments had been set out for them. They, uh, they snacked the food, they drank the beer, and they cracked their usual jokes, drenched with sarcasm and cynicism, waiting for the launch of Apollo 17. The countdown finally began for the 35-story high Atlas rocket to be propelled out of the Earth's atmosphere and into the heavens. As Needleman tells the story to Bill Moyer, who put it in a book, A World of Ideas, the reporters were suddenly all but blinded by an extraordinary orange light, which was just at the limit of what one could bear to look at. The light illuminated everything. The rocket rose slowly against the dark canopy of night in total deafening silence because it actually took a few seconds for the sound to come across to where they were. Sound waves arrived seconds later with full force, with a cataclysmic whoosh. And that mighty hmm that rattled the reporter's bones. One could practically hear jaws dropping, Needleman reports. The rocket traveled higher and then higher still. And as the first stage ignited in that spectacular blue flame, it seemed to have become a star bearing three men bound for glory. And then it was gone vanished into the periphery of the atmosphere and into the depths of space. Silence ensued among the press corps. The wisecracks died on the reporter's lips. Jack Needleman saw that the men's eyes were filled with light, their mouths wide open, their faces lit by the inner glow of sheer wonder. The most amazing thing of all was the sight of hardened Cynical newspaper men whose whole bearing seemed changed. People just got up silently. They helped each other up. They were kind and reverent. They looked upon each other differently. Spoke quietly and interestedly in each other. If only for a moment in time a sense of awe had taken possession of them. These were suddenly moral people because of a sense of wonder and the experience of wonder had made them moral. Such moments are all too few. All too few. In the dark nights of time in which we find ourselves today. We have spaceships, the internet, microchips, modern medicine. All wonders. All wonders. That even our grandparents could not have foretold. Yet, we have become a generation characterized not by awe, but by cynicism and sarcasm. We live in a day of technological, medical, and military advancement, yet we take it all for granted. All for granted. We have lost something. Something powerful. Something needed. Something to reawaken our souls. We've lost the wonder. A century ago, Gilbert Keith Chesterton wrote this, The world will never starve of want for wonders, but only for want of wonder. Wonders are all around us, but it is the sense of wonder that's missing and most needed in our lives. 
even at Christmas. If we aren't careful, we become too stressed, too much of a Scrooge, more concerned about counting dollars and counting calories, and we miss the magic. I found myself there last week in such a depressed way, I couldn't believe it. I just, I was sitting there, Cindy said, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing's wrong with me. Have a good day. Bahamba. I don't know what it was. But then Mark and Corey were talking about Christmas. And Mark said, what is your most memorable event at Christmas? And a few things shared. And the one that just really got to me, made me stop and remember about wonder, was when we used to, we lived in the parsonage when we first moved here. And we used to put hay out on the grass. Reindeer hay. Not any hay. Reindeer hay. Now, reindeer hay wasn't any bigger than about that right there. That's it. Little patch of reindeer hay. And we would put it in the grass. And Corey was trying to tell Mark about an event that only is a fairy tale. That the guy with the big S on his chest didn't exist. The guy in the red suit and the reindeer thing, not even around. And Mark was listening to him as the little brother and said, hold that in a minute. i got to go put this hay out in the grass. <laughs> yeah. That's the wonder of it all, isn't it? And boy, sure enough, Christmas morning, first thing Mark did was what? To the window to see if the hay was still there. And guess what? All gone. So he would look at his big brother and say, you don't know nothing. The wonder of it all, eh? All right. We've lost that, haven't we? We miss that. Why does it not seem like Christmas? Is it because of the rat race? The obligation? The adult responsibilities? The economy going in the tank? If you work for AIG, you can rejoice. If you work for the big three automakers, you can rejoice because you're going to get your bonuses before they do anything else. Rejoice. Because it's all about you. Now, if your business goes under, I got a letter this week from one of the credit, uh, not even a credit, it was a credit card place, said we're going to lower the amount of money we'll, we'll loan to you. I thought, praise God. I don't want your money. But thank you for lowering it. That's awesome. That's because we've gotten bad reports on you. I could have told them. I was a risk when they gave me the money in the first place. They're not telling me something I don't know. Hallelujah. Just taking them so long to catch up. But we need to let, you know, Christmas reawaken in us. And we've got to see it through the eyes of children. I think that's why, boy, you don't want to miss tonight. You don't want to miss tonight because you're going to get to see. We all know the story of Christmas. If I let you tell her, you can tell your parts. You know the parts of Christmas. But isn't there something special about little kids telling you the story again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. The first Christmas was filled with wonder, full of surprises, unexpected twists and turns. The unexpected, the extraordinary, 
They were the norm. Think about this with me. In, in these astonishing events, Joseph chose to stay with his fiancée who is pregnant with a child that's not his. Who would have faulted him if he had said, away with you, woman? And he would have divorced her. Everybody would have supported Joseph in that. Sounds strange to you, huh? But he chose to stay with her. Mary, the fiancé, pregnant. But she was a virgin. Do you understand what I mean by that? Or have you just said it so many times, you go, oh, yeah. This is a woman who's pregnant. About the age of some of our teenagers are up here on the front row. And she's pregnant and she had never had sex with anybody. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You're not buying that, are you? Can you see her mother and dad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can you catch her? She was, whoa, whoa. Yeah, this is Huge. You see the wonder going through her mind, through her heart. And the angel came and confirmed what was happening to Joseph and to her so that she would not be afraid. And, but can you imagine the, the, the stigma in the community? Can you imagine the church service where she had to go the next Sunday? And don't you know the gossiping was going on on the back row? Don't you know that when she walked in, everybody just kind of huddled over to themselves while she walked in. Yeah. And of course, her mom and dad supported her, right? They let her sit with them, right? And here comes Joseph. And everybody's watching him coming into church, right? And where's Joseph sit? Over by his mom and dad. Not with her. Right? No. He just walks right up and sits with her. And they probably sat up on the front, didn't they? That's just the kind of people they are. Set up on the front row like that. Are you with me so far? But what a sense of wonder in the lives of those two people. Mary, to give birth to a child. Born of God. Ooh. Of all the earthly events that have ever happened and will ever happen, none is more wonder-filled than birth. I never will forget when our first child was born. Equally as the event of the second child born. Equally the third child. Because each one brings a sense of wonder. I still want the drugs that they gave Cindy after, after Corey's birth. I mean, he said, Cindy, I'm going to give you something to relax. And she said, okay. It was that fast? I said, man, shoot me some of that stuff over here. I'm telling you, sense of wonder, innocence, the innocence of these two young people, and yet their dependency on each other and upon God, oh, it just strikes wonder in your heart. Is there any wonder at the shepherds out in the field? Angel comes and proclaims a Savior to be born. They drop everything and go to check it out. The divine becoming human. That just blows our minds. The wonder of it all. In Luke 
Back to our text now. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. They picked up where the angels had left off, these shepherds. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If somebody came and told you that there was a Savior going to be born, and you went to see exactly what they told you was there, wouldn't that just strike you as, woo? Whoa. Hi, yeah. In Luke 2.18, we see how the recipients responded to these words of these shepherds. I've got several translations, and it's interesting to read different translations and how they view a verse, but listen to what it says in the Holman Study Bible. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. In the message, it says, all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. In the New English Bible, it says, All who heard were astonished at what the shepherds said. In the Williams translation, All who heard it were astounded at what was told them by the shepherds. In Beck's translation, And everybody was surprised to hear the story the shepherds told us. In the New American Standard Version, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Today's English version, And all who heard it were filled with wonder. And what the shepherds told them. I think that's my favorite. They were filled with wonder at what the shepherds told them. For all who witnessed it, their eyes were filled with light, their mouths wide open, their faces lit by the inner glow of sheer wonder. Their wonder should be no surprise to us. Just like the witnesses of that piercing light from the night launches of rockets because their dark world had become brilliant, so is our world eternally brilliant. Their silent night had been split with the glorious presence of God. And the world of man had been invaded by the very Word of God. All the hopes of all the ages had been fulfilled in this one spectacular night. Yet it happened so differently from what man had expected. It was the surprise of all surprises. It was wonderful and wonder-filled. We need to reawaken our wonder. Would you like to experience the wonder? Would you like for your wonder to be reawakened? What happened to the first witnesses of Christ's birth can still happen to you and to me. Wonder, first of all, begins in the presence of God. The shepherds had seen God. They had been in the very presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was a helpless and a dependent infant, of course. But He was the personification of God. They had seen the light, felt the glow, heard the sounds, that cataclysmic whoosh, and that hum that shook their bones when the power of God was demonstrated. The wonder of God penetrated to the very core of their being. And we need to see what they saw. We need to feel what they felt. We need to hear what they heard. The light, the vibrations, the sounds need to penetrate us. How do we revive that sense of wonder? Wonder begins in the presence of God. Doesn't matter our geographic 
status, our age, when the Lord is present, the place is alive and should be alive with wonder. Wonder begins in the presence of God. Secondly, wonder leads to the worship of God. The shepherds saw, heard, and they felt God. Now look at verse 20 of chapter 2. The shepherds returned, (coughs) glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Seeing the wonder of God led their worship of God. They discovered God and then they delighted in God. Thomas Carlyle wrote, Wonder is the basis for worship. One can't come face to face with the wonder of God and not worship Him. Not only is it absurd, it's impossible. Just ask Moses. Moses, after encountering God at Mount Sinai. How about Elijah, after he witnessed the presence of God on Mount Carmel? How about Isaiah, when he's drawn into the throne room of God? In chapter 6. How about the shepherds. After they actually see Jesus. Lying in a manger. Wow. At Christmas we meet the wonder of God. But we can't stay there. Christmas is a good beginning. But at some point. We have to get Jesus out of the cradle. And into our hearts. We have to go from thinking about a baby and understand that He is God who came wrapped in human flesh. We have to move from wonder to worship. We have to move beyond cynicism and skepticism to celebration and salvation. The story about a child being born is true and it's wonderful. But we have to go beyond being charmed by it and be changed by it. We have to see beyond the tradition of men and be transformed By the mighty power of God. We have to go beyond the admiration of a child to the adoration of a Savior. We do not truly understand Christmas until we find ourselves on our knees in worship. Uh, We we watch all these Christmas movies over and over and over, year after year after year. And uh, Chevy Chase is, uh, Mark, what is that? Christmas Vacation? Is that what it's called? But where the tree, you know, goes up in smoke and the squirrel jumps on their back and and it wreaks havoc. But the part that's so good is that his dad comes to him after he's everything's destroyed and he looks at his at his son and and he says, uh, you know, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And then he says to his dad, he says, are you going to read the Christmas story? He says, no. This is your house. I'm retiring. It's your turn. You see, we've got to pass these things on, don't we? We gotta pass on that wonder and that awe. And so the the next scene is when they're sitting in the living room and they're all reading. I mean they're they're in the midst of total chaos. And yet they're sitting down just to focus on the most important part of what it's all about. And I think that's what we need to do. So where do we go from here? Well, we've got to somehow take a deep breath and remember what it's like to be a child with eyes wide open. I've got a video I want you to see that kind of help us there.
over some card. Come on. But we miss that, don't we? We miss that. We need to capture it again. Where's your joy? Where's your joy? Is it seeing the ocean? The Grand Canyon for the first time? Is it an electric train that fills the room? Do you remember at the age of five what it was for you? Do you remember that one gift that you got that you hoped you would get and they finally got it? Ooh. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. Remember those? I remember there's a car commercial out now that shows a little guy on the big wheel. Oh, it's the greatest gift I ever got. I could never do anything better than that. And then he's an adult now, and he's got a new car out front with a bow on top. Yeah, I'll take that other that new big wheel any day. Amen. Yeah. In Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dan Millman tells the story of Sashi. When she was four years old, her baby brother was born, and little Sashi began to ask her parents to leave her alone with the new baby. They worried, like most four-year-olds, that she might feel jealous and want to hit or shake that new baby. So they said no. But over time, Sashi didn't show any signs of jealousy. They changed their minds and decided to let Sashi have her private conference with the baby. Sashi was elated. She went into the baby's room and she shut the door. I left it ajar just enough for mom, the inquisitive and curious parents, to seek in and peek in and listen. They saw little Sashi walk quietly up to the baby brother, put her face to his and say this, Baby, tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Starting to forget. You see, because the baby had been in the presence of God. When was the last time the presence of God so overwhelmed you? So engulfed you? Christmas should be a time we snuggle up close to God. To see, to feel, and to hear God once again. It's the time to be reminded of God's presence among us. We celebrate Christmas so we won't forget the wonder of God. That a little baby born in Bethlehem in a manger would be the Savior of the world. Born of a virgin. Whose fiance said, I'll stick with you through thick and thin. Now that's character, isn't it? That's character. Does your wonder need reawakening? Do you need to see Christmas again for the first time through the eyes of a child? Open your eyes. See the light. Open your heart. Feel the emotions. Open your mind. Understand the meaning. Open your ears. Hear that cataclysmic whoosh and that mighty hmm of God piercing the darkness of your life to give new life to your soul. See the wonder of it all. Oh, Father, we ask You this morning to be so real to us, to be so genuine to each of us, that, Father, it is so obvious what's going on. God, there's times, and I, I stand in total humiliation, and repentance this morning before this, my church family. For Father, I have been cynical. I have been sarcastic. I have found myself missing the wonder of Christmas until one of my children stopped me long enough to remind me about what it's all about. 
Father, maybe there's somebody else sitting in this room that's kind of been doing the same thing. Well, Father, I would just ask you to touch them as you've touched me this week and reawakened in me something that I hadn't felt in a while. Father, we get so keyed up at times in buying the right gift for the right person at the right time. None of that's as important as the greatest gift of all that was given by you to us. And Father, may we stop to honor and worship you today. There might be somebody in this room, Father, that just needs a special touch from you. They're seeking, they're struggling. They may be unemployed. Father, there's a lot of folks facing that right now in their life. Would you help their resumes get into the right hands? Father, would you give them reassurance of your presence? Would you help their needs to be met in every possible way? I thank you for this church that is so outreaching. When we get calls, when we can, we reach out and we do what we can, Father. I thank you that other churches much larger than us send them to us. Because you found favor at our place. And Lord, I just pray. I pray today that no one will leave here without a sense of awe, a sense of wonder. That the birth of a little baby, a virgin birth by a little baby, could revolutionize the whole world. And to this very day, they still want to stop him. They still want his name to be taken away. They don't want to deal with Jesus. But I'm so grateful that we still have to. So, Lord, if you need to move in somebody's heart today and tug at their heart today, do it. Do it. And will they allow you to do it? There's a decision to be made. Would they make it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.